Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. Why? Because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Oh my goodness, I found a quote from way back when from W. Edwards Deming, 1900-1993 American engineer, statistician, professor, author, lecturer, and management consultant, and he's credited with a lot of very important things, but he's best known in the U.S. for his 14 points in his preface to the book, Out of the Crisis, and the system he called the system of profound knowledge. Look him up. W. Edwards, plural Deming, D-E-M-I-N-G. Here's the quote we're opening our show with today. Quote, it is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory, unquote. Just let's let that sink in. So we're talking about here on Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise. We're talking about ERP today, next generation ERP beyond theory, but where is the how. So when you think about it, how do we build the next generation of ERP applications? What does this mean to your business? You need applications and solutions that satisfy your demanding modern consumer, whether you're B2B, B2C. Consumers are smarter, they're savvier, they're omni-channel, they're coming at you with, with the, let's say, their knowledge loaded. They are finding ways to find out about you, your company, your products, your solutions before they even talk to a salesperson. They're smart and they're demanding. You also have to meet the challenges of a tech-rich supply chain. You might have newcomers to your supply chain who weren't there a few years ago, and they're smart and savvy. And you need to transform your processes. You can't get bogged down with the status quo. It's not going to serve you well. What's the point of all this? You need to be an innovator. But guess what? Snap your fingers, and it all magically appears. Not so much. So we're going to speak to our three very innovative and very savvy panelists today and find out where the next generation of ERP is coming from and what you need to do to get on board. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. Happy Monday if you're listening to us live here on the Influencers Channel on World Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Here are my three panelists. Let me tell you who they are and then we will get started. First up, we're welcoming back a gentleman who hasn't been on in many, many months, I think. We're looking forward to speaking with him today. It's Darwin Deano, D-E-A-N-O, a principal at Deloitte Consulting, LLP. And as always, a shout-out to Carla Neal and all of our good friends at Deloitte. Joining him is a panelist who was on... Just a week ago, that's a contrast, Matthew Riches, Matt Riches, he lets me call him Matt, R-I-C-H-E-S is his last name. He's a director of digital business at Agility Works. Two words together, capital A, capital W, all together. Happy to have Matt back. He loved his appearance so much last week, he couldn't stay away, decided to come back. And third up is a newcomer, John McNiff, M-C-N-I-F-F. He's vice president and head of the digital supply chain line of business, that's at L-O-B. 
at SAP. Very happy to welcome John, who is our newcomer today. Now let's go around the table to Darwin Diano, and Darwin has sent us a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. And anybody who's wondering, Mahatma was not his first name. It was it's an honorific, something you say to somebody venerable, venerable, and it means high souled. Full name Mohan Mohandas. Karam Chand Gandhi, that's Hindustani, lived from 1869 to 1948, Indian activist who led the Indian independence movement against British rule, and he is also called Gujarati, which is in Gujarati called Bapu, for father and papa, and he is known as the father of the nation. Here's the quote. You must be the change you wish to see in the world. Darwin Diana, welcome back. How have you been? Hey, Bonnie. Thank you. I've been great. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. I was delighted to see your name pop up on the guest list because we always get so much great information and insights from you. So, Darwin, glad to have you back. Talk to me about this quote. I've seen variations on it, but, hey, we're talking about ERP. We're talking about systems and processes and next generation and revamping the way businesses do business. So tell me how this quote relates to our topic. Please, Darwin, go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. Well, simply put, the ERP population, the ecosystem, the partners, the internal IT people, the business people within within an organization, we are a source of powerful change. And what I've encountered over the last year or so, talking to different clients and different partners and different alliances, is that that ecosystem tends to focus on other people and say, you know what, they are going to do the innovation. They are going to tell us what to do. When in reality, the ERP ecosystem is the greatest source of value and in terms of unleashing the, the, the potential business benefit of this innovation technologies. So I say we are they and we need to be the change that we wish to see in the world. Thank you very much. Tell, tell me something. Is this, uh, in my intro, Darwin, I mentioned, I said, uh, snap your fingers. How hard is it to find, is it nirvana having next generation ERP? And when we talk about ERP, are we back to the original definition of enterprise resource planning? What are we talking about, Darwin? Well, first, when we talk about the next generation ERP, uh, it's kind of a misnomer because it's not about ERP alone. Mm-hmm. Certainly, ERP is a key component. It is the backbone. Um, but you need to focus on making your technical debt absolute minimum to be able to pivot, minimize the innovation lag, and really drive value from innovation, right? So this whole architecture ecosystem with ERP at the center. And no, it's not nirvana. There are a lot of potential opportunities. Some of them are very low-hanging fruit that can be translated into microservices that you consume subsets of functionality from ERP. And, and, you know, a lot of them, you know, with 1809, for example, there's been a lot of uh, innovations introduced. I think it was 19 machine learning scenarios that are embedded or leveraging SAP Cloud Platform and Leonardo. So there are a lot of low-hanging fruit. And, you know, there really is. It is all about just understanding what's out there and pursuing mm-hmm. what's most relevant for your business context. 
Thank you very much, Darwin. Pleasure to have you back on the show. Don't be away so long next time. And now let's go to somebody who was on just seven days ago. We're also thrilled to have him. It's Matt Riches at Agility Works. And Matt has sent me a quote I've never heard of before, Matt. This is an interesting one. Reminds me of an Einstein quote, but we won't go there. Let me tell you who the quote is from. It's from Spike Milligan. Very interesting story. His full name is Terrence Allen Milligan. And his initials after his name are KBE. 1918 to 2002, he was a British-Irish comedian, poet, playwright, writer, and actor, the son of an Irish father and English mother. He spent his early life in India, where he was born, but spent most of his life in the UK. Here's how he got Spike. This is interesting, and Matt, I don't know if you know the story. He hated, well, they said on Wikipedia, he disliked, that's an easier word, he disliked his first name, and began to call himself Spike after hearing a band on Radio Luxembourg called Spike Jones and his City Slickers. Very, very interesting. And here is the quote. Matt has selected from self-named Spike Milligan. A sure cure for seasickness is to sit under a tree. Matt Riches, how have you been in the past seven days? I've been very well, thanks. How are you? Uh, well, thank you. It's very kind of you to ask. I, I can't say we missed you. We just had you up, but we're delighted to have you back. <laughs> it's just barely, and I said to myself, he's back already, twice in seven, and this is great. Matt, um, I, I know you had a good time on the show last week. I thank you for a quote from somebody I've never heard of, because I love discovering new sources of interesting quotes. So, a sure cure for seasickness is to sit under a tree. What in the world does this have to do with next generation ERP, although it does rhyme? Go ahead, Matt. Um, so, Spike Milligan, I don't know how much you know about him. Spike Milligan was a, a, a sort of a national treasure, I think, um, hmm. based in the, in the UK. Um, really kind of eccentric. He, he had, a, he had um, quite bad um, uh, battles with uh, depression and bipolar disorder. But he was a really kind of unique thinker. Um, he, he really sort of for his own life. And this quote, Basically, it really kind of sums up a lot of how I feel about the, the, the topic of today. Because I think when you get down to it, what a lot of organizations need and what a lot of organizations are failing to do is to look at problems in a unique way. You know, really to, to look at things differently, to, to not kind of get burdened down with the day-to-day and actually, how, okay, how can we blue sky this? How can we look at um, the, 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 the problem that's facing us in a, in a completely new and distinct way? And, it, it, you know, it's not about getting down into the complexity. It's not about sort of, you know, fixating on individual aspects of the, of the, of the problem. But actually, you know, fundamentally, how can we improve what we do? And I, I genuinely, based on my experience, I don't think enough organizations take that time to extract themselves out of the day-to-day and look for a step change. So in terms of becoming a, a, um, you know, a, a digital organization, intelligent enterprise, you, you know, you, you, asked, uh, you asked Darwin, you know, how, if you could click your fingers. And, and I think it's, it is very fundamental. You know, it, at, a, at, a, at a granular level, it's very, very difficult because you've got to get people to, to change behaviors. But you've got to make sure you're shooting for the right goal. And what I loved about this quote is that anything that can make you think differently, anything that you can, you know, makes you stop and pause, certainly when you're considering what type of organization you want to be, what sort of organization you can be, you should take the time to pause. You should take the time to think differently and actively pursue something that is outside your comfort zone. 
Thank you very much. Very, very eloquent, Matt, as always. And Matt, Matt, I neglected to say that Spike Milligan had a very popular British radio program called The Goon Show, right? And he wrote and edited many books, including Pakun and his seven-volume autobiographical account of his time serving during World War II. He also wrote a book of poetry called Silly Verse for Kids in 1959. Very, very interesting. So thank you for the introduction to him, and thank you for your wise words on our topic. Appreciate that. And let's go around to our newcomer who's probably waiting very patiently, John McNiff at SAP. And John has sent us, John, I have also never heard of Gnarls Barkley, although I probably should, but very, very current. Gnarls Barkley is the source of the quote, it is an American soul duo composed of the bigger than life, I've added that to the Wikipedia description, composer, singer-songwriter CeeLo Green and producer Danger Mouse, that's a name I never thought we would hear in terms of a person on a record. They released two studio albums, St. Elsewhere in 2006 and The Odd Couple 2008. And the source of the quote that John McNiff has selected was from their single Crazy, which peaked at number two on the U.S. Hot 100 list and topped the U.K. charts. Okay, here's the quote. Listen up, everyone. I remember when I lost my mind. Yeah, I was out of touch, but it wasn't because I didn't know enough. I just knew too much. Does that make me crazy? Possibly. John McNiff, great lines. How are you? I am super well. Thanks, Bonnie. Yourself? That Well, thank you. It's also very kind of you to ask. Tell me something. Are you a big fan of CeeLo Green? And how did you find this quote? In a million years, I never would have thought of anything like this for our show. So tell me how you found the quote, and what does it have to do with our topic about next generation ERP? Uh, actually, interestingly enough, not so much from the CeeLo Green version, but there's a band I quite liked called The Kooks in the UK who did a cover of the song. I just happened to like the song, actually, if I'm honest. But in, in terms of the topic, for me, it relates quite a lot. For anyone who's had moments of distractedness on the edge of thinking a little differently or not even being able to respond to the day-to-day, um, the fact is typically it's because you're distracted with too much information, too many data points. Um, and this, for me, resonate, resonates quite heavily with with how we would differentiate an intelligent ERP or an intelligent enterprise that people don't really understand actually but you know if you're an old timer with an ERP you've probably got and I think this was referred to before you've probably got a ton of information out there that you just don't know how to access and make any sense out of Um, and the reality is in a new enterprise there are so many other external data sources and information coming in that, that it, it's almost impossible for people to make sense of it. And what happens is everyone reacts individually to pieces of data or information, um, and they, they behave in ways which might be perceived to be a little strange to other parts of the organization. Um, in many ways, you could say that's a little crazy. So that was really the, the reason behind and the thinking behind the um, pulling that one out, because it always sticks in my head, I'm honest, actually, from the, from the line itself. Very interesting. All right, do you li- you said there was another version of it. Do you listen to Charles Barkley? I I remember CeeLo Green was a judge on something like America's America's Got Talent or maybe it was The Voice or could it have been American Idol a few years ago? That's when I first saw him on TV. Are you a fan? Uh CeeLo Green's okay. I I quite like a couple of the songs. I can't say I'm a big follower particularly of Charles Barkley. 
it was more that one song. But you're right, he also did a song on his own. Um, yes. Which became uh, extremely big, well, called Happy, I think it was called. Ah, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Thank you very much, John. Welcome to the show, and thank you for the background on the quote. We appreciate it. And now let's get to know our panelists just a little bit better, what I call up close and personal. Darwin, Deanna, we're going to catch up with you. Three questions. Number one, where in the world are you today? Number two, what's your favorite drink that powers you to be so smart? And number three, catch us up on what you're doing at Deloitte Consulting these days. Darwin, go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. So I'm in Chicago. Um, so one of those rare weeks where I'm actually local for at least a portion of the week. So um, great to be home. A bit, a little, uh, you know, a little bit chilly uh, for, for my mm-hmm. taste, uh, but um, all good. Um, I, I my, my drink of choice is coffee. Um, I, I can't survive without it. Um, if I could put it uh, intravenously, I would. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, you know, weary traveler, jet lag all the time. Um, that's um, that's my drink of choice. And what I've been doing lately, right? So as um, uh, Deloitte's uh, SAP Chief Technology Officer, we've been driving a lot of innovation, and this next generation ERP is actually right in there to my heart um, on multiple levels, right? We've been pushing a lot of um, uh, products in the marketplace with our SAP Cloud Platform OEM partnership as well as redefining what it is to deploy or how it is to deploy ERP, right? We are really pushing the no-code ERP vision, and we've started to transition some of our assets um, on SAP Cloud Platform, uh, which is exactly what this next-generation ERP is all about. So very, very happy to be here. Thank you very much, Darwin. Coffee, that's not good enough for us. We want no specifics. Do you have a specific kind of coffee you love? Italian coffee, black, plain and simple. Okay. All right. We'll take that. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And now let's move on to Matt Riches. Matt, it's just been a week, but I'm sure something has changed in your life. So let's get to know you all over again, assuming that the audience hasn't quite caught up to last week's live show. So Matt Riches, where in the world are you today? What's your favorite drink? And it can be different from last week. And remind us what you do at Agility Works and what is Agility Works. Go ahead. Well, last week I was in the very glamorous Coventry in a car park, and today I'm pleased to say that I am in somewhere that I'm I'm quite proud to say. I'm in Birmingham. I'm sitting in a hotel uh, just across the road from the International Conference Centre, where, due to bad planning, half an hour after this call finishes, I'm chairing a uh, panel discussion at the uh, UK uh, and I um, SAP user group. Uh, So it's a busy day and bad planning on my part. Um, well, last week I talked about how I'd given up caffeine and, and yes. then unfortunately relapsed due largely to, to yourself, Bonnie, and the pressures that you were putting me under. Um, <laughs> I'm pleased to say I'm back on the caffeine wagon, uh, but I have noticed that, that over the last couple of nights that has increased my Malbec uh, consumption in, uh, quite a lot. So uh, swapping red wine for caffeine, not, not during the day, I like to point out. And um, at Agility Works, I, um, Agility Works is basically an SAP partner in the UK, and we specialize in S4 and everything innovative. 
and I started our S4 practice uh, about four years ago, and now I run all our business applications, uh, including S4, Reba, Concur, and all those sorts of things, and more recently have branched out into sort of more holistic uh, business transformation, uh, talking to the, the organizations about business change and business transformation as well as the uh, sort of move from uh, traditional ERP to uh, digital ERP. Thank you very much. Always wonderful to have you. We've had a couple of your colleagues here on the show. So glad to have Agility Works on board. Always thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And John McNiff, you are our newcomer. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Where are you today in the world? What's your favorite drink? Be as specific as you can. And what is your role as VP, Vice President, and Head of the Digital Supply Chain, LOB, at SAP? John? Thanks, Bonnie. So uh, right now I am actually at home for a change in uh, a rain-covered Manchester, which uh, to those who know it, it won't be surprised it's in the UK. Um, I'm actually heading shortly off to Barcelona, where it's hopefully a little bit warmer. Um, and over there I'll be also sharing some presentations um, around some of our topics, particularly around digital manufacturing this week, actually. So looking forward to getting out there dealing with some of uh, SAP's C-level execs across the EMEA region. So that's, that's good. Um, I'll be sampling some interesting tipples, no doubt, this week. But, uh, yeah, I would say I, I don't like to pin myself down to one drink or another. Right now I'm drinking quite a lot of tea today, but that's mainly as a counter-reaction to the fact that my football team trounced our local neighbours yesterday. And uh, I probably <laughs> took a little bit too much of uh, some of the other uh, more dangerous alcoholic type tickles. <laughs> so that's that's my problem right now. Um, in terms of what I do for SAP, I look after what we call digital supply chain, which is really uh, quite a broad area. It covers everything from R&D, engineering, through uh, supply chain planning, logistics, as well as things like manufacturing through the shop floor and in through the operate and asset management side. So quite a, a broad remit in terms of the solution stack. And um, I, I look after that business for Northern Europe. So I spend quite a bit of time really engaging with our key customers and, and trying to help them actually and for all of us to try and figure out exactly these types of questions you're touching upon. We kind of know the technology's coming. We know that there's new business models. There's a need to transform digitally, but for a lot of uh, customers with, you know, very rich, let's call it, legacy of, of architecture, solutions, and platforms, it's not that easy to change overnight. So, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what the right way forward is, and, and not just the what and the why, but really the how to get from A to B. Thank you very much. I appreciate your honesty about the, uh, I think you call them tipples, the different drinks. Yes, we do get emotional about our sports teams. Uh, just to update everybody, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, and we did not expect winter to come quite this early. Our temperatures at night have dipped down just to the freezing point, 32 degrees, and one of my neighbors was kind enough to buy me something I had never heard of or seen before. It's called a hose bib cover, and it's a little plastic cover, a square with a little uh, pulley inside, and you put it over 
over the outside where the garden hose area is. I have one on each side of the house. And you drain the lines. You close the hose bib in the garage. You, and then you drain the hoses. Unfortunately, my hose, the actual garden hose, has oxidized at the coupler and cannot be removed. So somebody is bringing me some kind of very strong, uh, it's like an anti-corrosion penetrating oil today. We've tried three people with wrenches and nobody can take the hose off. So that's what we're going to do. But we drained the line, drained all the water, cleaned out the hose, and the little bib covers are on. So we're in the 30s here, and this is the south, and I'm saying, okay, took out the winter coat yesterday. So my favorite beverage is not what I'm allowed to have on radio show days, which is just cool, clear cup of cool, clear water and my cool, clear mug with a green straw because it's still very, very green here in Durham, North Carolina. But my favorite beverage is going to be hot chocolate with a little bit of real whipped cream on top. So there, that's going to be the winter beverage for me. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise Radio presented by SAP. I believe this is our final live episode of the season. Uh, before we take our break, I want to do a shout out to Cecilia Morton at SAP and her team who have put together five really wonderful and very, very savvy, insightful panels on the topics related to the intelligent enterprise. Today, we're speaking with Darwin Diano at Deloitte. That's a lot of de-alliterations, Darwin. It's just the way it is. Matt Riches at Agility Works and John McNiff at SAP. We're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to continue with our roundtable, our formal roundtable. Our topic today is next generation ERP. Beyond theory, where is the how? So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you're listening. I promise we'll be back in 90 seconds. Count them with us. Aaron out. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Business is at a technological crossroads. The future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated, ongoing change. Many companies have been slow to adopt new technologies and capabilities. This is resulting in these organizations falling behind in delivering what their customers need. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the intelligent enterprise can change businesses and lead to a better future for everyone. Changing the game with the intelligent enterprise is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with the intelligent enterprise. 
Yes, indeed, we are, and everyone should be headed in that direction. I'm here today with Darwin Diano at Deloitte, Matt Riches at Agility Works, and John McNiff at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. We're talking today about next generation ERP. Beyond the theory, where is the how? Is it nirvana? Is it a dream? Do you snap your fingers? Not quite. That's what we're discussing today. We're going to start the roundtable with some notes here that Darwin sent me before the show. Very provocative. Let me read a little, Darwin, and then we'll have you expand it, and then I will invite Matt and John to chime in. So here's what Darwin told me. Next generation ERP requires a broader set of skills for IT, data science, machine learning, API orchestration, native cloud approach. Darwin, tell us more. Sounds like there's some new jobs popping up, or, or could people in IT who've been around for a while assume these new roles? Talk to me. It really is both, Bonnie. Um, new opportunities and absolutely great opportunities for existing ERP ecosystem um, employees to take advantage and evolve. Um, and uh, to, to, to the point that you read about um, the broader set of skills, right? Um, mm-hmm. if, if you take a look at the last 20, 30 years, everyone in the ERP ecosystem was confined to that ERP ecosystem. It's all about tailoring a package ERP solution and addressing your business needs. That was enough. But over the last 10 years, and even the last, especially over the last five years, it it no longer has been enough. You need more. You need the full ecosystem. And I think two things stand out for me. One is cloud native. Pick your favorite analyst. They're all going to talk about how the wave of the future is going to be towards ERP SaaS. But ERP SaaS means standardization, means less customization, means actually um, a little less focus on what makes a company special. And it leaves a gap, right? Now, to, uh, to address that gap, you need to understand how it is to deliver value in a cloud-native manner leveraging APIs, orchestrating them, leveraging innovation capabilities like machine learning and data science, and incorporating that to deliver the intelligent enterprise vision that SAP is pushing, which we completely and wholeheartedly agree with. So it is a time of reflection, especially for IT resources within organization, because no longer are you confined to the four walls of a package ERP, now you can leverage all of that history, all of that skill set, and apply it across a full architecture ecosystem, leveraging the power of SAP Cloud Platform, leveraging the power of Leonardo, and the partner ecosystem, while at the same time, making sure that we deliver the last mile of value for the end users, for the business, to make sure that they can take advantage of all of this richness of functionality without being confused about which architecture components are being leveraged for which capability. So the IT op model is under siege. Or, or more positively, it, it, it is, there's a great opportunity, a great call to action to evolve, to make sure that you could leverage the whole architecture ecosystem to deliver what once was confined within the four walls of ERP. 
Thank you very much, Darwin. Let's go to Matt Riches at Agility Works. Matt, talk to us. Thoughts about this new IT model? What do you think? What jobs will be most important? I I agree and disagree because that's the kind of contentious man I am um, mm-hmm. with, with um, what's just been said. So I, I honestly think that the role of IT is changing, and I don't just mean you know within large enterprises. I mean I mean generally. One of the most important things, and I know it's a bit of a trite example, but if you take Uber or you take some of the the new kind of success stories, it really is the combination of knowing enough about IT to be able to understand how a new business model can work. So I think rather than being a a function of a business, and it used to be, you know, and I I don't want to... I don't want to spill, speak ill of previous IT generations, but mm-hmm. often IT was seen as a kind of just somebody to keep the lights on, servers and other sorts of bits of equipment that no one really understood apart from IT. That's what IT did. But I think organizations now need to see the IT function or IT knowledge as pivotal to the future of the business because not understanding enough about IT to understand what's possible is going to be a limiting factor in terms of a business strategy. You know, I personally think a business strategy that is, is divorced from what is, is possible, and I don't just mean possible in the, the sense of, you know, thinking of something that's, you know, completely outlandish. I actually think of it the other way, that actually there's a lot in technology that can be done now that people aren't necessarily leveraging, that the, the ambition of a lot of businesses isn't... Um, isn't aligned with actually the technology and what the technology can do. So, of course, there's always, there's always going to be an opportunity for, for people in um, IT to understand the broad landscape. But I think the biggest thing from my perspective is the blurring of the lines between, you know, a CEO and a CIO. You know, I think, as, as I say, IT as a, as a function is moving from a supporting role to being front and centre in terms of helping a business look at itself, look at what it can achieve and changing the Mm -hmm. business models to be able to achieve it. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate that. Always like a a fresh point of view on something. John McNiff, love to get your thoughts here. Talk to us. Yeah, I I think I would build upon uh, some of what's been said in both cases, actually. I mean, fundamentally, in the future, you know, will you talk about IT as a silo or a department? I don't, believe you will. Um, Actually, as has been said, you know, blurring of the lines or whatever, there are certain things which which are all about keeping the lights on and that will be maintained and, you know, the systems and the operating and the data centers and the back end. But increasingly, there's a key point here, which is the fact that all of the, the systems out there, all of the business processes, once they're digital, they're embedded with technology. And if they're embedded with technology, you can't differentiate anymore and say, okay, you're the technology guy, I'm the business guy. And I don't see it changing overnight, though, because the issue is clearly that there is a a lot of business domain expertise that needs to become IT savvy. So back to the point Darwin made in the first place, people have got to start utilizing these technologies, but they need to utilize them in terms of that business domain and, and the outcome that they want to achieve. And, and maybe just a, a quick analogy. A few years ago, everyone was talking about uh, mobile. Mm-hmm. And it was all about mobile as a technology and, and you buy yourself a mobile platform and, and people were running around trying to explain the impact of mobility. 
but the reality is after a while, once everyone's got the smartphones and everyone's running around with tablets as a, as a second nature, it's a bit like talking about, you know, trying to explain the telephone to somebody 50 or 100 years ago and versus it just becomes second nature and a way of doing business. And digital and the fact that technology has to be embedded in all the processes needs to become second nature. And therefore, to the point, um, I think I'm kind of agreeing partially with both of the panelists in that all the business functions need to upskill. They have to upskill to understand what they can do with those technologies. And you can't just go to one department who will tell you how to get this done because it has to, the, the scope is too broad and it has to be done in context of the business outcome that you're trying to achieve. But on the back of that, also people in those traditional silos within their workplace, you know, I'm a procurement guy, I'm a supply chain guy, I'm a manufacturing mm -hmm. guy. If the models are changing and if the outcomes you're achieving are going to be different, profitability, delivery, whatever it might be, you need to be thinking differently and aligning yourself to those um, higher level objectives. And that in itself is a skill as well. I mean, how do you pull together these different departments to understand that what they do impacts the end outcome in a new digital um, transformation space? So, so I, I, I agree with both. Um, the guys, the speed of change is really the question mark and it will vary by, by customer and industry. Thank you very much, John. Very interesting. Darwin, I'm just going to give you 60 seconds to reply or rebut or whatever you'd like to what Matt and John added to your topic. Thoughts, Darwin? Yes, Bonnie. So Matt and John, I think, raised both um, uh, very valid points. Um, and if I could characterize that blurring of the lines that's been described, you know, it's no longer about business being on one corner and IT being on another. It's about the rights of the orchestrators. Mm -hmm. The people who could bring everything together to solve a business problem, not only the business processes, not only the architecture ecosystem components, not only the external services, not only the ecosystem, but bring it all together, orchestrate it to help the business. And I think uh, that's the name of the game, which I think uh, is consistent with Matt and uh, John described. Thank you very much. Matt Riches, I'm looking at your notes, and Matt... Just give me a little poetic, um, uh, shall we say, a little poetic license here. I want to combine bits and pieces of three statements you send me because I think they all go together. So bear with me here for a second, and then I'll I'll tell you what I'd love to talk about. You say, first of all, most ERP-based transformation programs fail. First statement. Second statement. The success of these transformations is often decided before they begin. The initiatives fail before they begin. And the third, you say, a successful deployment needs the perfect storm of ambition and determination. Matt, can you put those three together? I think they're all on the same thread. And talk to me. Talk to us about that, please. Certainly. Um, I think what I'm trying to, to get at is... In terms of, you look at history and you look at um, ERP implementations in the past, and ERP implementations have, have never been uh, simple, they've never been easy, and people shouldn't assume that they're going to be simple or easy now. And I think one of the main reasons is because people miscategorize what a, an ERP implementation is as an IT implementation, which of course, is one of the facets, but, but effectively an ERP implementation, whether it be SAP or S4 or, or somebody completely different, it is about the usage and application of that ERP system. And generally, 
it is getting people to change. Now, what what we, and I, I've been doing this for 20 years, so I can say we, what we didn't do very successfully the first time around, or possibly second time around, depending on when you started, was getting organizations to change how they work to fit the ERP system, which has led to lots of well-known issues and, and problems. And the, one of the things that I... I'm always a bit cautious to talk to, to clients about is that that hasn't gone away. That risk hasn't gone away just because we've got new and, and obviously much better technology and, and there's a lot more potential doesn't fundamentally change the fact that an ERP implementation is difficult and for it to be successful takes a lot more than just good software. Mm -hmm. So effectively making sure that you do have the, the right ambition, the right determination, the right vision, the right business case, literally everything, all the, all the I's dotted and T's crossed to make sure that you are setting yourself up for an achievable, realistic, yet ambitious implementation is more important than ever, or certainly as important as ever. And I think that some of the rhetoric that I hear is that people almost forget the mistakes of the past and almost assume that those problems have gone away. And the truth, as I say, is I think differently. I think certainly if you take S4 at the moment, and certainly if you look at SaaS-based ERP, the SAP portion of it or the technology portion of it, the complexity is, is probably diminished in terms of not the technology. I appreciate machine learning, et cetera, et cetera, seems very mm -hmm. complicated. But certainly in the way that things are packaged, in the way that things are rolled out in, in terms of SaaS solutions. But actively, that's fundamental getting somebody who is, is running a program, sponsoring a program, to have the requisite drive, determination to knock down silos, to make people behave in a different way, to fundamentally change the business or the ethos of the business from a we tell you what to do to, okay, we will listen to what the technology is telling us and how we should deploy it is a big, is a big change for a business. And whilst it is achievable, it isn't easy. And it's, it's a very real threat and it's something that organizations need to be aware of and you know really fundamentally front and center when they're dis deciding how to deploy new ERP systems so when somebody you know you, you may want to change an organization from root to branch but if you don't have the requisite sponsorship if you don't have the requisite mm. organization in place you don't have the ability to overcome silos actually you may be setting yourself up for a fall so understanding that the IT bit of it is one proportion of it and a very important proportion of it is is as i say only one part of it you also need to make sure that the ambition and the desire and the ability of the organization to change to meet the potential of the the software is also really really important and often misunderstood or neglected um point Thank you, Matt. Very interesting. Uh, Matt, are we, I just want to sneak something in here. Are we talking about change management? It sounds like you're speaking about culture. You're speaking about the right sponsorship. Your ambition and determination are very human qualifications. So we're talking about, you said, breaking down silos. So you're talking about change management within an organization, getting the right people on board. Am I on spot on with that one? Yeah, to, to, to an extent. I, I think one okay. of the statements I made is that, is that project will often fail before it's began. Is mm -hmm. because I mean, effectively, a lot of the decisions, whether an organization is going to do a, a you know, a very good implementation, where, it's, where, it, where, you know, where the differences between just putting in a new ERP system and actually, you know, 
digitally transforming or you know becoming a, a, a fundamentally different enterprise is going to be down to the CX level. You know, it really is down to their desire, down to their vision, and how they drive that vision through. And what I often find is that they've already gone down a very traditional route, the way that procurement is set up, the way that contracts are written, the way that scope is defined, the way that people do blueprinting exercises rather than fit gap exercises. A lot of people are saying the right thing, but fundamentally making the same mistakes as we've made before. So change management is absolutely one aspect of it, but I think as fundamental, it is making sure that the people right at the top of the chain fundamentally understand that it's not just words it's not just platitudes if you want something different you're going to have to do something consciously very different at the cx level or else you will repeat the mistakes of the past thank you very much john mcniff lap feeder chew on here what are your thoughts agree or disagree with matt riches at agility works john Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Go I mean, ahead. In principle, in principle, you know, I would agree, and it, it's easy to oversimplify here and, and just make blanket statements. Um, either that, wow, the technology is so great, uh, everyone can just implement something different overnight, or you know, yeah, it's all about change management. The reality is, it, it really depends on the company. I mean, we we have. Clients out there are running 400 manufacturing facilities and 99% of their revenue is still done in quite a traditional way. And then lots of people come to them with the Uber examples and the new business model examples and they're kind of scratching their head and, and you know, yeah, but how do I do that whilst mm-hmm. this is my business and I still need to run the same way? And back to your quote right at the beginning, you know, it's, but, but the principle is this, that if you don't start thinking about it now, you're not going to be ready to be more agile and adaptable. On the flip side of that, it is all about, absolutely about transformation and change management, in my personal opinion, because you have to go from, everybody needs to understand what are the the, the strategic outcomes of this piece of work. If it's just a replacement, an IT project, a replacement of a an existing ERP, let's call it ERP, although the scope can be varied, then that's going to get run a certain way. If there are things that you are trying to do which are going to actually add value to to your business, i.e. true digital benefits and outcomes, then you need to do things differently. And But to do things differently, it takes a hell of a lot of work. And, you know, I think the, the principle here is it does need to start at the top. I absolutely agree with what mm-hmm. Matt said. And that those program objectives and those corporate objectives need to carry right the way down through the program. Um, and that, that's a very difficult piece of work because what you, on the flip side, nobody is ready, nobody wants another 10-year rollout of some elephant system, whether it's ERP, PLM, whatever it might be. They want small and consumable. That's the message in the marketplace. Um, and so, the, but the danger with that is that people are often running things which they're categorizing as non-ERP, non-core, and doing things very quickly and very agilely, but actually they're creating a next generation legacy. And what I mean by that is then these systems are not, you know, they don't reap the benefits of the good old boring ERP that they're integrated, common mass data, following a set of end-to-end processes that they're, they're organic 
beings which grow in their own right and need to be fulfilled and, and filled with data in their own right. So, you know, the question is, what is ERP and what are you trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. Are, are we really talking about ERP as a system or are we talking about an end-to-end business process that you want to meet for a new strategic digital outcome? And then the next level of that is how do you break that down to understand what pieces can we really consume whilst being upon this journey and that that is still quite a difficult task actually um so i I, you know i agree with with matt that it's not easy and it's not easy not because of the system or the technology it's not Mm -hmm. easy because of this change management but then really understanding how you can turn those that that end state of nirvana how you can achieve that with bite-sized chunks which won't break you for the next wave of innovation that comes in a couple of years time Thank you, John. Darwin, Deanna, with Deloitte, love to get your thoughts on this. We've got some interesting conversation on the table here. Agree or disagree with either or both? Well, two parts, right? First, I wholeheartedly agree on holistic change management that's more critical than ever. We're talking about not ERP. We're talking about the future of work, about being cloud native and digital native. In today's business context, a world where an online bookstore i.e. Amazon, can redefine mm-hmm. or converge whole industries, right? So um, that's the first part. The second part is I have a slightly different nuance on ease of implementation. On one hand, there is a great push to unleashing the implementation digital twin, if you will, using automation and intelligence to accelerate technology implementations. Furthermore, SaaS changes the conversation to show, not tell, and drives standardization more strongly. But on the other hand, as Matt and John have pointed out, we can only accelerate the people adoption so much, not only within the organization, but across the business partner ecosystem. So definitely, definitely very interesting and you know, cannot overemphasize uh, change management um, in this world of next generation ERP. Thank you very much. And that brings us right up to our predictions round. So since we didn't get to the topics from John McNiff, although John did add eloquently to the other topics on the table, John, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to give you 90 seconds instead of the usual 60 to make up for that. So John McNiff, look into the crystal ball, please, and tell us what will change between either five minutes after the show or all the way up to the year 2025 in terms of anything or everything we've been discussing about next generation ERP. Where is the how? John McNiff, predictions, all yours. Uh, I predict that this uh, this complexity that we've talked around will remain for the next five years or so, quite clearly. But I also, on the flip side, I do predict that within the next two to three years, the things that we've been, let's say, marketing around intelligent enterprise or intelligent ERP or automated um, over the last couple of years, will start to come to fruition. So, you know, technology has been out there and the ability to leverage technology has been there. But actually to really take that technology and now make these these legacy transactions more intelligent and remove the manual automation will bring great value. And people will really start to see what the benefit is to adopt a next generation ERP as opposed to right now where we're really struggling to answer that question for my business what does it really mean and by the way I've got 200 plants 
I make this much revenue, I can't stop. How do I achieve it without being disruptive? And how do I start to leverage these new models that are being talked about in a non-disruptive way to my existing business? I think the penny is going to start to drop um, in -hmm. the next three years as this automation increases. That is my prediction for the next few years. Thank you very much, Don McNiff. And now let's circle around to Darwin Deanna. 60 seconds for you, Darwin. We're on the clock. What do you see coming up the road, down the pike, or down the road, up the pike, for the next few years of ERP transformation? Go ahead. Thanks, Monty. So real quick, I think ERP will be democratized to leverage other technologies like the digital ledger or distributed ledger. And number two, digital employees augmenting the human employees will become table stakes. That's it. Thank you. Brief and to the point. We appreciate that. Giving a little bit of extra time to Matt Riches. Matt, you can have 90 seconds because Darwin didn't use his whole 60. So go ahead, Matt. Great. No one's ever said I'm brief and to the point. So uh, I'll probably take it. Um, I think I completely agree. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan of both these guys, but certainly what John's saying is is a hundred percent in line with what I think as well. I, I think in terms of the next few years, it will get technically easier to technically migrate. So the actual movement from one system to another will get more commoditized. It will become easier. You know, there will be far more people moving to the cloud. So I I, I, I definitely see an improvement in that area. I still think, though, that the truly transformational will be hard. And I think that actually somebody hitting on the right combination is going to do very, very well. Um, I I don't think a lot of organizations have quite got there yet. Um, But I also think the delta between those that can transform and those that that can't transform will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I think we will inevitably move to a situation where many long-established organizations will begin to fail as the industries that they um, are in becomes more sort of available to new technologies and new organizations. So I, I think it's a really interesting time. I think that a lot of people know that they need to transform. I'm just not convinced. And right back to your quote at the start, Bonnie, I'm not Mm -hmm. entirely convinced that everybody will um, make this transformation. I think that there is a huge decision for people to be made now and the next couple of years, if not the next year, is going to be absolutely massive to the future of many, many organizations out there. Thank you very much. And we've referenced back to my W. Edwards Deming quote several times in the past few minutes. So for you who are turning, tuning in late, even though we're at the end of the show, I just wanted to refresh that quote so you'll know what my panelists were discussing. The quote is, it is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. And that certainly could be seen as a handwriting is on the wall for companies that don't want to climb on board. They don't want to do the change management. They don't want to update the legacy systems and the software. And they're not willing to do the work to implement next generation ERP. Well, nobody said you had to survive. Your stockholders and your shareholders might not be too happy or your employees, but that's the way it is. It is not necessary to change, but think about why and how you want to. Thank you so much to Darwin Diano at Deloitte Consulting LLP. Thank you to Matthew Matt Riches at Agility Works. Thank you to John McNiff at SAP and the shout out to Cecilia Morton again and Ken Marshall at SAP for a wonderful series brief and to the point the past few weeks here 
here on the Intelligent Enterprise. And a shout-out, of course, to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. I'm Body D. Graham, and here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Darwin Diano at Deloitte, just like Matt Riches at Agility Works, and just like John McNiff at SAP. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Mondays on the Influencers Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.